Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Tasty Tidbits Podcast. Get ready to receive rich, well-seasoned, and tasteful tidbits to transform your life. Each week, Dr. Tiffany comes to you with inspirational encouragement and thought-provoking interviews to help you revolutionize your walk with God. Are you hungry for more of His presence? Then get ready. And now, your host, pastor, author, and motivational speaker, Dr. Tiffany Watkins. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back again to Tasty Tidbits. I am your host, Dr. Tiffany Watkins. I am so excited to be back again on another episode. We're talking about um, part two, generational, building generational wealth with Leo Marte. And if you missed the episode on last week, you need to pick that episode up, go back and listen to it, because we've talked about ways in order to build generational wealth, and we're talking about principles with our wealth, and we're also talking about how to make sure that you're planning for the future and giving. So go back and listen to that episode. But on today, welcome back again, Leo. We are so glad to have you again on today. How are you? Well, thanks, Tiffany, for having me again. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about these important topics with you. I'm glad to have you back. And again, he is a certified planner, a gold standard financial planning expert. And he ha- he runs an investment advisory firm that provides professional and personal CFO services to Christian professionals. Uh, and so he's going to give us his information before we leave today so that you'll know how to get in contact with him. But Leo, we had picked up on last time talking about wealth and why it was so important um, for Christians to be able to manage their money. But today I want to pick up a little bit about asking you, what's the difference between um, being wealthy and the difference between just wealth and being wealthy as a Christian? Well, I think that an important distinction, uh, as I mentioned in the prior episode, for those that are following that conversation is, you know, what is our fundamental relationship with money? As as Christians, um, you know, wealthy Christians, just like Christian anything, should be different than its counterpart that doesn't have Christian attached to it, right? So when we talk about wealthy Christians, we look at people who are intentional with their money, who are wise managers of their money, who are thinking about how to transfer those values and those assets to the next generation, but are also have a primary goal of serving God with that money, expanding the kingdom, closing the gaps around them where money is needed to solve real problems, and also just expanding the reach of the faith to people that haven't had the opportunity to get, you know, to get connected with it. So ultimately, what separates a wealthy person from a wealthy Christian is how the money is utilized, to what end is the money being used and you know the user, the person who's making the decisions, having that alignment uh, with wanting to glorify God with it. Mm-hmm. 
which should be the aim of, you know, uh, all of us as Christians, because we we're saying, Lord, I'm grateful um, for what you have done for me. You know, I'm grateful for just even being able to be here um, in order to be able to expand the kingdom. Um, and so um, it's something key that you said uh, that I think is very important because you can have um, you may not have the wealth that you desire to have at this moment. But your mindset, if you have a mindset um, of wealth that goes a long way, is that not true, Leo? Your mindset has to be there first um, in order before you even get there. Because you were talking about uh, in, in there, you said you have to be intentional. A wealthy Christian is intentional. A wealthy person is intentional. So if you are intentional and you're at not at that level yet, then you're on the way um, to that wealthy place. You remind me by, by saying what you just shared, the story of Queen Esther, right? So mm -hmm. if you read the book of Esther, you know, you, you see about this <laughs> young woman who is making its way from being essentially a peasant in a foreign country uh, from, a, from a, 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 an ethnicity that is not very well looked at and ascending to a level of power where she becomes the queen of an empire. And, you know, we don't know as, as the motions of this ascent are kind of put in place, we don't really know exactly why, es why this is happening to Esther. Like, why, why is Esther special? You know, what is, what's the whole plan? Like, why is she going to get to where she's going to get? We don't know any of that until she gets there. And when she gets there, certain plans from, from uh, the enemies of the Jewish people are put in place to exterminate the Jews. And, you know, her mentor, you know, Mordecai says, hey, uh, you see all that stuff that God just did for you, bringing you up from the level where you were to this position of power? Well, guess what? It's time to start using that to protect God's people. You know, who knows if it is for this particular moment, for this purpose that God has put you where you need to be. And if Esther hadn't had that mindset from the beginning, she wouldn't have gotten to where she was and she wouldn't have been in that position of power to intervene, to protect and save God's people. And the same thing I say to our listeners today who may have the mindset, but may not have the money or may not have the career or may not have that income. Your mindset is the beginning. That's where it all starts. And wealth is a long-term project. You're not going to get rich mm -hmm. in a few weeks. This is a process that takes time. It takes 20, 30, 40 years of doing the right things along the way so that when you get to that place of influence, power, and authority, then God starts using that for his purposes, for the expansion of the work that he's doing. So I just I wanted to share that. <laughs> yes, that was good. Was such a, so, so closely connected to, to what Yes. That, that was so good. And, you know, we, you know, I tell people, people all the time, I say, you know, um, in the supernatural, I believe in God moving supernaturally, he can show up and he can, he can open up the door for a blessing to come, or he can do those types of things because he is a God that works miracles. But like you said, it takes, you have to go through the process and you have to do what it takes in order to build well. So many times, I think a lot often, um, 
we as people, you know, in general, not everybody, but people, I'm just saying, we expect God to just drop everything out of the sky like he did for Moses. Let's just bring the manna. Do we just want the manna? You know, we want you to provide the quail, you know, so we don't have to work and you don't have to wait. And, we, you know, generation, microwave generation, we just want everything quick without realizing, like you said, you have to start building, you know, start somewhere, you know, get with the financial plan if you're at that stage, even if you're not at that stage, start somewhere uh, so that you can start building. Because if you never start, you'll never see it increasing. Uh, too much is given, much is required. You know, what we are given, God is requiring us to do uh, be responsible for that, which he has given us. And, you know, he's not just going to drop everything out of the sky for us. That's right. A hundred percent agree. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, so on the last episode, we were talking about um, being able to do a little bit for yourself and put in a little money within yourself. Uh, but I want to cover that just a little bit again. So am I allowed to splurge on passions and toys while still honoring God with my money? Absolutely. And, <laughs> and I think that it, it's really important to recognize that God has created us and endowed us with different passions, gifts, and talents. And throughout history, people have used those talents for his glory and have created beautiful things. So I think of, you know, some of the greatest painters, artists, sculptors, architects of our time and times before, you know, they have used those gifts to produce something. And, you know, they pursued those passions and those that were in alignment with God have, have created, you know, great things for his glory as well. And, you know, when I think about you and I as individuals, you know, God has given us also the things that we enjoy, our hobbies, the things that we like, the things that we enjoy spending money on are part of the identity and the creation that God has put in us. And as a, as a worker, as a steward, you absolutely 100% deserve the ability to spend some of that money on your passions and on your things. Now, I think that on what I mentioned in the prior episode that I think it's easily missed with this is that it has to come back to balance, right? Mm -hmm, if, mm -hmm. if out of 100%, you're struggling to give, but you're spending not 80% on things that you don't need, and then you're just eating with the rest, well, there's something that's out of balance there, right? Because <laughs> you're not taking care of the different areas of your life that will allow you to, over the long term, create lasting generational wealth and honor God with that. So, you know, let's say, for example, let's talk about proportions. You know, when I look at a, a typical client, someone who comes to me and is looking at managing a, an income, and, hey, how, how do I split? How do I put these, in, you know, this money in different buckets? Well, usually 25% of whatever they make after taxes are taken and all that, right? So 25 to 30% is usually their home, where they live, mm -hmm. you know, the necessities of life, paying utilities, all that good stuff. Usually about, you know, there you have that 10%, you know, sometimes even as high as 20, I've seen too, of, of money that they decided to just give and, and do something with it that is not about them, but is about other people, whether that's taking care of family uh, or taking care of, of things for the church. You know, and then you have the other the other 50% and then, well, you know, 25% of this, I want to, you know, put towards my retirement and my college savings accounts for my kids. And, you know, I want to be able to save some of that money here for this special tool, this special thing, a car, whatever it is that I want to buy. 
And then you have the remaining, the remaining amount of money where people just say, hey, you know, I've already taken care of my retirement. I've already taken care of my giving. I've already taken care of my necessities. So now I can go out to eat with my family and I can go on a nice vacation and I can take my kids to the zoo and I can go out and, you know, get some takeout on Friday so that we don't have to cook at home. You know, all those things can coexist together so long as we are covering our bases. And right. once your bases are covered, then you have freedom to spend that money however you want. You know, maybe that is a, a beautiful new purse, or maybe that's uh, a, a new car, or, you know, maybe that is, you know, a nice pair of glasses or a nice watch, whatever that is for you, because everybody has a different sense of what's valuable. Um, that's all okay, so long as you're taking care of the fundamental and important things first. Right. And on the last episode, we covered it a little bit, too, that, you know, it can be um, even on the other side. Sometimes you can hoard too much that you never, ever do for yourself. And then you get to the point of where it's just there. And you don't sometimes you may wonder, you know, why things are still going that way, because but it's just to the point. Um, you're just hoarding, 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 hoarding. But we, as individuals, I believe, are able to give and we should do, it's a part of mental health. It's a part of uh, your physical health, you know, taking care of yourself, you know, because like for me, I, at least once a month, I get a massage. I don't get it for luxury, even though people think it's a luxury, but it's really a stress reliever for me, uh, you know, after all of the things that I have to do. So um, after we've taken care of those things that we need to do, we need to make sure that we're taking care of our health and massage that. That is a way for me to be able to make sure that I'm still taking care of my health, releasing my the stresses of ministry, things that come on to be able to be able to do for God. And I think we talked about that on the last episode because you have to be refreshed. I think that's the word you use, Leo. Just yeah. you have to refresh yourself um, even with it. So you can't just continue to hoard to where you're not taking care of yourself as well. And guess what? Even if that was a quote unquote luxury, mm -hmm. there's no shame around that. There should be no embarrassment around that. Mm -hmm. So long as you're taking care of all your other bases, right? That's a good you know, point. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that sometimes, especially in, in our, in our Christian subculture, mm -hmm. you know, we, we think that, Hey, if it's not a necessity, I somehow have to do, you know, three jumping jacks and, <laughs> and, and, you know, backflip and, 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 you know, pray and, and get, you know, get all these things, you know, <laughs> but you have to just get a car, like yes. you're going to save the money. You're doing well with the money that God has given you. Mm -hmm. You have the income, you have the savings, go get yourself a car, you, don't right. you know, <laughs> and I right. think that sometimes we go through this process that, you know, we have to justify every single little expense mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. we feel ashamed or embarrassed that people are going to misinterpret or think that we're wasteful. But ultimately you are the person who's accountable to God It's not your neighbors and it's not anyone else. It's all about the attitude of your heart and the accountability that you have in the giver of everything. And that's God. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I'm a big believer that, you know, as stewards, in the measure that we create wealth and create income, we are also allowed to enjoy some of that. Now, you don't want to be a person making and, you know, uh, you know, the average income in America is around 50 to $60,000 per household. 
you probably don't want to go down the street and buy a $20,000 Rolex. Right. right. <laughs> right. That's, that's probably not a good idea. Right. And, and that's mostly because that purchase is going to prevent you from taking care of certain things in your life that will set you up in the future to be generous, to be able to splurge on things like that. So sometimes it's not that it's wrong, it's that it's out of order mm-hmm. or it's not on the right time compared to, hey, now you're retired, you've saved your entire life. I've seen teachers, police officers, firemen, you know, working 30, 40 years throughout their life, accumulating two, $3 million in their retirement plan because they've diligently saved, they lived frugally. And hey, now, if you want to get yourself that beautiful truck that you've always dreamed of, you know, that could be a possibility because you've mm-hmm. paid the dues. You've already built a certain amount of wealth to protect your family, to protect yourself in old age. And part of that is also going to be for enjoyment. So it's all about timing and it's all about proportions. Yes, yes, yes. And we talked a little bit on the last episode, but I want to go into it a little bit deeper um, about our children and our youth. How can we help our kids to manage their money wisely? I think about my my niece and um, my sisters, and I applaud her because uh, she has my niece and she has her own little um, lotion business. And so she has her, her lotions and she'll bring them to church and she'll sell them. And it's very good, her little cherry, whatever. And she's teaching her how, you know, to have her business. And she started, I think she's nine years old. She's 11 now. Um, and then they had little bracelets that they go and they'll sell and, you know, get that. And so I think that is very important to steal that into, into them, to let them know one, everything is not going to be given to them. Um, but two, it is important to manage the money that God has given you. So how can we help our kids to manage their money wisely? Well, I think it depends on the age of the kid and also the context of your family. Uh, You know, sometimes, you know, these principles or these guidelines don't apply to everybody because families can be so different and have different challenges. Uh, But what I would say is if your kids are young, uh, you know, in that age around three to four years old, which is when kids start getting interested around things and about Mm -hmm. money. Uh, They start, you know, they learn how to count, you know, all of a sudden they're in preschool. So they have other kids and those kids have toys and, you know, like all of a sudden they start getting interested in things. Start from the beginning, teaching them that things cost money. And in order to get money, you have to work. You have to create something in order to be rewarded with that money. So Mm -hmm. with my kids, my kids are very young. So I have a five-year-old, I have an almost three-year-old. And then I also have uh, one on the way. My five-year-old, you know, has his own little piggy bank and he does certain chores around the house that we pay him (laughs) some money to be able to save and accumulate money over time to buy himself a toy or to buy himself ice cream or whatever that is. Well, guess what? If If my son told me, hey, I want ice cream. And every time he said that, I went to the store and I got a big tub of ice cream and we had ice cream every day. Well, my, my son is not getting the memo. It's not getting the lesson that, you know, the act of earning the money and then going to the store and exchanging that money for ice cream. So guess what? You know, we sometimes do have ice cream just because, right? Right, but, right. But sometimes <laughs> if he says, hey, I would like to have some ice cream today. Okay, well, let's go to the store. Let's get money out of your piggy bank. Mm-hmm. And, you, know, you give it to the lady at the register. You count it and you part away with that money that you've saved for a couple of weeks in order mm-hmm. to buy yourself that ice cream. 
And mm-hmm. guess what? He gets such a huge, such a big satisfaction, a grin, you know, ear to ear, because that is something that he worked for, that he earned, and that he paid for. That gives him such a pride of ownership of having done something for himself. Way more than if I just gave him a scoop of ice cream in the house and he just had it and then kept go- kept going on or playing or watching TV. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. But you know. No. I, I was getting ready to say, because when you said that about giving his money out his piggy bank, I thought about that with my nieces and nephews. They have the little, the little debit cards mm-hmm. um, with their little pictures. And so when we took them to Atlanta to this um, park, to this um, uh, studio, uh, when they went, they had to pay for the things that they had with their little card. They felt so good to just yeah. be able to pull their card out. This is a debit card to pull it out and mm-hmm. begin to pay for it. And, you know, when they finish them, they're able to see, okay, what did you spend? How much money do you have left? And it's just a reward to see them, the smile on their face knowing I'm, you know, managing my money. <laughs> and it also, it also gives them, develops critical thinking, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have a situation where maybe they have an item that, um, that, that, that they thought about buying, but Hey, you know, $10 for that. I don't feel like that's worth it. I want <laughs> right. to money to buy something that is more valuable to me. So not only they start saving, earning, making purchasing decisions, but they start thinking like, Hmm, do I want to put $10 mm-hmm. of my money to buy <laughs> this thing? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually is a great segue into, you know, as kids get older, especially when they become teenagers, that's where you want to start working on decisions and purchasing choices, right? When you're a kid, you have absolute control about what a kid does, buys or whatever. When you have a teenager, teenagers, you know, get out of the house, they have their own job, they have their own friends, they go do stuff. And now they're without parental supervision, having to make some of these decisions. So you have to walk them through the process. Hopefully you've done some of that foundational work at home, but then you have to help them make the right decisions. And the biggest, most expensive decision that kids get to make nowadays is college, right? So sometimes kids walk into the college decision with zero regard for cost, parents feel a moral obligation to write an unlimited amount of money in a check to pay for that or an unlimited amount of student loans mm-hmm. and, and then get themselves in financial trouble and their kids because now they're starting a career with 30, 40, $50,000 hanging around their neck in the form of a student loan. And I think that is really the pivotal point for young people right now is that decision about college and how we, in a very strange way in our society, separate the cost of college from the value of college. Mm -hmm. We say, well, everybody's got to go to college. Well, not everybody does. But if you do want to go to college, there are multiple ways to get there. And you don't have to be going to the most expensive college in order to get the value out of a degree. And I think that's, a, that's an important, really nuanced, really complex conversation mm-hmm. that needs to be mm-hmm. had. But guess what? If, you, if the first money conversation you've had with your kid is when they're picking the college they're going to go to, you're going to have a very difficult time influencing your child to make a good decision mm-hmm. because you have to be setting that foundation along the way so that when you get to that college decision, they understand the value of money. They know how long and how hard it is to earn this money. And they're going to go f- follow the value and not just the, the, the price tag 
And I mm -hmm. think that's, that's really a, a big, big moment for most teenagers or young adults as they uh, transition into adulthood. And you know, when you said that this is, it's very easy to go to maybe a technical college for two years and then transfer your first two years, you, you go to a technical school, a community college, and then transfer, make sure all your credits transfer, and then go to that four-year school that you wanted, and then go on if you're going on to get your master's. And it does, it saves a, a whole lot of money. You know, it's not about image, like you said, it's, but it should be about the value of the thing. So that, yeah. that's very important. Now, if you've experienced a certain level of success and you mm -hmm. have the ability to send your kid to the school they prefer, no problem right, right? Like right that's not right. a bit that's not an issue right and most people in america are not in a position to be able to write a check and pay for college in cash mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. when you have to make that decision to your point you know have you considered the two-year degree route you know public universities have the best bargain in terms of getting quality education for a low cost Let's not forget, most Fortune 500 CEOs are graduates of public universities, not elite Ivy League schools. And there's nothing wrong with those schools. Right. But the truth is, there's just more kids going to public school anyway. So <laughs> right. as a matter of fact, the pool is just big enough that, you know, as people develop their career, grow on their hustlers and their go-getters, they end up in the highest positions of power. But they do that because of the type of people they are and the work they do along the way not necessarily only because of where they got their degree. Again, if you can afford to send your kids to Harvard, that's awesome. You should do that if you want to and they want to. But that's yes. not necessarily the reality that everybody lives in. Uh, you know, I was brought back to um, when I was in college my first year and we had to take a sociology. I was majoring in sociology, so sociology 101. So the teacher asked us, she said, I don't want you to be embarrassed. So she said, everybody in here, if, if your parents paid for your whole college, raise your hand. And they were scared. It was only about two or three that, you know, raised their hand. Um, and then, so she said, well, raise your hand if, if your parents are, you know, uh, blue collar workers. And she went on down the line, but the majority of, you know, like you said, everybody didn't have it to be able to do it. But if you are able to pay for your children to do it, then you can. Um, but that was just a, you know, a eye opener to see that, you know, there, of course there's a variety of, of ways that people go to college and how they pay for their college, but thinking about it before you get there, like you said, and talking about it with your young people before is very important because it helps you to plan when I went the first when I went to college I did go to a but I went for one year but what I did I worked um for that whole year before I was working in summer just working in the summer wrecking but I was buying clothes I was just you know because I could do it I was just buying clothes for myself doing 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 it so when it was time to go to college I was like oh my goodness my mom had to take out a loan and because I spent money they they um put the money in with uh, to the budget to say, okay, well, you had this much money, so you can't get this, so you know, you got to put it towards this. And so I learned very quickly uh, that you have to be wise in what you do as far as when you're working, because that affects everything. And I think that needs to be looked into, like you said, and, and talk with the young people um, at an early age, because you don't want to have to be in a whole lot of debt if you don't have to be, <laughs> but it's okay. Yes. Uh, one thing we're going to talk about before we uh, leave today, one more final thing, uh, you know, some people may have come into money um, through uh, 
a death of a loved one, an inheritance. Somebody may have given them money. People have won money. And oftentimes, if you don't have good money management skills or a good financial planner, then you squander all of the money. And you hear these stories of where everyone's back to zero or back where they originally began before they accumulated all of this wealth because they did not manage the money. And so how does one know if they really need professional help to manage um, their money? I think, it, you know, it's, it, I go back to, you know, the, you know, wh- what, what is it that you're trying to accomplish, right? So somebody who's right out of school, doesn't really have any assets, is out in their, in their first job, or makes an average income in America, probably doesn't need to have a professional advisor, because, you know, paying for an advisor can be expensive for somebody mm-hmm. who doesn't create their sufficient income or doesn't have enough assets, uh, so I think it's important that early in your career, when you don't have as many resources, you probably want to do everything you can to get educated, inform yourself, study how to ha- good money management practices so that you don't need to pay an advisor along, that, along the way to be able to accomplish what you need to accomplish. Now, when you find yourself with a substantial amount of money, all of a sudden, and you, have, you haven't developed the maturity, the, the knowledge, the responsibility to manage those assets, then you need to go find somebody that can help you do that. And you know, typically what I see is you know, uh, a parent passes you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's you know, two, three kids, the home they have uh, of the parent, nobody's going to be living in it. So they sell the home plus whatever they have in a, in a IRA or 401k. And then, you know, you have somebody who walks away from the, you know, the passing of a loved one with five, 700, even a million dollars, right? And they've mm-hmm. never had anything to their name besides having a decent job, having their own home and maybe having cars, right? And all mm-hmm. of a sudden they find themselves being a high net worth individual. You need to go find somebody to work with you because that money is <laughs> disappear. And mm-hmm. not because there's there's anything inherently wrong with you or because you're dumb or anything like that. No, it's because you haven't developed the muscles to be able to manage that so that it continues to grow and support your lifestyle without running out. And that takes time. It takes patience to develop. And that's why usually people who build wealth over their entire life are very good at keeping their money from running out. But people who get money right away typically end up having nothing very quickly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost a, um, it's almost a stereotypical, you know, of the lottery winner. And actually mm-hmm. a lot of statistics and studies made around this, you know, that a lottery, a lottery winner typically ends up losing everything that mm-hmm. they earned through the lottery within five years. Mm-hmm. And the reason is not because they're necessarily, you know, um, you know, doing anything wrong. It's just because they don't know what they don't know. They don't understand how to invest money. You know, some people keep everything in cash in the bank and they don't have any financial plan. They don't have a budget. They don't have a a prioritized plan to retire. They don't have controls and boundaries with their families on how they're going to be using this money. So all of a sudden in less than five years, they're back to worse 
than where they were before. Not better, not, not the same, worse. Worse. Because mm-hmm. now they've acquired all these expensive things mm-hmm. that are liabilities and they have to end up declaring bankruptcy because the weight is too much to sustain um, or worse. You know, some people, you know, go even darker paths. Uh, so I would say if you find yourself inheriting sudden money, um, having a substantial amount of assets that you did not expect to come your way, whether that's through a gift or the passing of a loved one, that's a perfect situation to go hire somebody that aligns with your values to help you figure out what to do. That's great. That's great. Well, we want to thank you so much today, Leo, for being on. This has been invaluable information um, for you just to be able to share with us today. And listeners, make sure you uh, go back and listen to this over and over again. But not only listen to this, I'm going to ask Leo to give us this information so that if you are considering having a financial planner and you have not um, had anyone, you can kind of talk with Leo and he can kind of give you a little insight. So if the listeners wanted to get in touch with you, Leo, how could they do that? Well, the first thing I would say is I want to give your listeners today a gift, a a way for them to get started and take the first step in their financial journey. I created a free online course, takes 30 minutes of your time and gives you an introduction of the key money principles from a biblical standpoint that you need to put in place in your life to just make that first step. Again, it's free of charge. It's going to cost you nothing but your time. And whatever you spend in time, I can guarantee you, you're going to earn back in the principles that I'm going to share with you there. Uh, And you can access that, and I will share the link in the podcast notes, but you can access that at abundantadvisors.com forward slash quick start. And that's the first step that everybody who's listening to this, I encourage you to do that uh, because it's free and because it's valuable and I want to help you get started. Um, the other program that I have is I actually have a master class where I take you through each of those pillars of financial planning at your own pace, uh, you know, and, and help you create a financial plan for yourself. Maybe you're not quite there yet to hire an advisor because you haven't reached that point in your career where you're earning sufficient money or you haven't accumulated enough money yet, but you have the desire and the passion to create a plan to get there. So I created a masterclass that takes people through the process of actually creating a financial plan for themselves. And you can learn more about that also on my website, abundantadvisors.com forward slash course. Um, And I will include those both links in the show notes so that you can quickly access them. But those are going to be the main ways that you can today start moving in the right direction. Um, And of course, through those channels, there are means to communicate with me as you need help throughout that journey so that I can help you get oriented and and reach your ultimate destination. Amen. And listeners, let's get excited and get to the point where we're going to lead generational wealth. We're going to build that generational wealth and we're going to be able to see others benefit uh, from the wealth that we have built and so that we can continue to expand the kingdom. So thank you so much again, Leo, for being a vital part of this podcast today because this has been such great information. And listeners, make sure to go um, to his website. And if it's free, go on there and do it. You know, you have nothing to lose. And so we just want you to go on there to be blessed in order to help enhance what you're doing now so that you can be a better person for Christ and a better steward in what God is giving you. And so until next time, and until we meet again, God bless. 
Thank you for listening to Tasty Tidbits with Dr. Tiffany Watkins. If you're enjoying the show, feel free to subscribe, rate, and share with your friends. To learn more about Dr. Tiffany, check out her blog on goodreads.com or visit her website at www.renewedfaithministriesinc.com. Until next time, stay blessed.